Moms on Maternity YouTube show and podcast. My name is Amy Cruz, and today we have on Ashley Fico. She is the CEO of InnoQuest. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Hi. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. So you're not just the CEO of InnoQuest. You're a PhD, is that right? In in, in a couple of different areas. What's your specialty? Yeah, so my PhD is in communication. I studied health communication, minored in statistics, and I currently teach in the Department of Public Health and Health Education. Actively teaching? Mm-hmm. Uh, like college students? Yep, exactly. So I teach courses in um, health research, health behavior theory, health communication, um, so mostly juniors and seniors, primarily those who want to go into the public health field. So you're so well-rounded. So I have to start off. What is the difference between being an academic and an entrepreneur? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> so it's so funny because, so my background is academia. And as I initially started pursuing in a quest with my brother, I had a number of people who kind of were saying, you know, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't fit with your background. And I just don't think that's true at all. Like, I think that you have so many transferable skills that you learn in the academic environment that you can bring with you to the business environment. And I think a lot of it is about understanding the vocabulary that people use in those different settings. So for example, you might have like, okay, I'm going to go teach a class. And that's, you know, what we'd say at college. But really what that comes down to is, okay, I can give a presentation. I can engage a group. um, I can ask questions and keep them interested in the topic. And so I think sometimes people overlook the fact that there are potentially a lot more similarities, I think, anyhow, than there are differences. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I totally latch on to, to yourself because I loved school and I love being an entrepreneur and business. So I totally write on the money. Um, are there others that are tiptoeing into entrepreneurship from the academic setting or have you, are you the favorite? You know, I don't know of a lot of them. Um, More commonly, what you'll see is academics who will do some sort of consulting on the side. So that's relatively common, but it's usually pretty related to whatever they study. Um, So, you know, if they're a professor in psychology, you might see them doing some sort of like group work outside of the college setting. Um, Basically have two full-time jobs right now. Kind of. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So what have been the three biggest decisions you've had to make personally over the last 10 years that have kind of led you to where you are today? Wow, that's a good question. Um, Biggest decisions. So I think probably the biggest was just making the decision to go for this. So I think that like, and it's probably this way in a lot of careers, but with academics, you get kind of on this path and people just expect you to keep following it. Like you went to grad school, you got your degree, maybe you did a postdoc, then you go work at a university and then you're going to get tenure and then you're going to be there forever. And that's kind of communicated to you over and over again. Like everybody is just going after tenure. And at some point in that process, I realized, like, I really need more. Like, I need something 
that's mine that I can create. And I need something that will give back to the community. And so I think making that decision to go for it was the biggest one. I think probably the second biggest would be um, finding the right idea to go for. Um, So I'm really fortunate. My brother is my co-founder and he has a background in software engineering. So he does all of the technical side. And so initially when I started going down this path, there was a lot of conversation between us about like, okay, well, if we want to build something together, what's it going to be that really brings the skills that we both have? Okay. I have to ask, you can say past, how much, how much longer till you have tenure? Uh, so I go up for tenure this fall. Um, wow. So my packet is ready. <laughs> what does tenure mean again? So tenure basically means um, essentially that you have a permanent position with the university. Um, I mean, I use that term kind of loosely because there are still certainly ways that you can be let go. But um, essentially it means like, you know, the university has, they want you to be an established member of their faculty kind of until retirement. Is that based on length of years in service? Yep, so it's all based on time. Um, So everyone has a unique timeline or is it like everyone 10 years, you get 10 years, 20 years? So it's all pretty much structured. Um, the only thing that changes is like, usually it's a seven year time frame. but like if you switch schools in there, like you might have to start your seven years over. Um, so like, that's what happened with me. Like I did for a long time, I was doing just research and then I moved over to a new university and that original time didn't count. And so it was like a brand new start. Okay. We're going to come back to this in a little bit. Um, let's go back, <laughs> go back to what um, you have a really great LinkedIn presence. And one of the terms you use in your LinkedIn bio is the, you know, experience economy. What is the experience economy? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I didn't coin the term. It's from kind of the 90s. Um, Joseph Pine, I think, is the name of the person who came up with it. But the whole idea is basically that there's been this transition in society, right? So, like, we can look back and see, okay, we started out and, you know, everybody was, you know, existing in this kind of agricultural space. And then we started manufacturing products. And then we started really engaging in service activities and doing less manufacturing and so kind of the premise is this like fourth next wave is about experience which is really about like how can you create something new um, that goes beyond just taking care of or satisfying your customers needs and instead create something immersive and unique that they haven't seen before all of our basic needs are pretty much met and now we're just looking for fulfillment of our curiosity and emotional needs or what is that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of, I mean, you know, I don't think that's true for everyone, obviously, but I mean, I do think that that is definitely, you know, like the research will show, especially if you look at kind of like the millennial generation, they're the ones who really have pushed us toward that experience economy wave. And some of it too is kind of interesting. Like it's, they'll do surveys and they'll say like, okay, among millennials, like they want to spend a lot more money on experiences than they do on say like owning a house or owning a car. Like they're just much more interested in how can I make these memories? 
Awesome. And so I'm guessing that's what led you to really getting passionate about starting InnoQuest. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we, um, so my brother and I had been talking about potentially doing a startup um, and about what we might want to do. And kind of in the meantime, we, he's really like my best friend. And so once a month we were like having, we called them Sunday fun days where we just like go out and try something new in the city. So like we'd go do an escape room or we'd go to a scavenger hunt, you know, kind of whatever came up. And so through that, we were always kind of talking about, well, what's the next activity? Like what's the next experience we can have? And so we had done some scavenger hunts and they were fun. We liked them, but we kind of thought we could make it almost next level. So like, how could you create a more immersive story and a game that would really allow people to tour their cities in a different way? Walk me through a game and an outdoor experience that you guys have ready. Is it, is it ready to go? Because is there something on the app that people could look at today? So almost ready. Um, So we're in beta testing right now. Um, So hopefully we should be launching, I would say by early fall. So each game is set in a specific city. So our first city is Rochester. And basically people log into the app and they buy a ticket to the game. And then you are immersed in this story. So like the first story is kind of this mystery. There's this quirky professor who you see video video from her throughout uh, uh, experience and she yeah. tells you it is not me though <laughs> so I am a quirky professor but not in this case <laughs> so her video pops up and she kind of sets the story for you like oh she's an art professor and her painting's been stolen and then in the game you have all of these items and in inventory like clues that have been left behind and so you start following this story and moving from place to place in the city. As people move from place to place in the city, do they need to buy tickets to get into venues? I mean, is that part of it? Nope. So it's all outside. So you're really just purchasing. Yep. Yeah, you're just purchasing the experience itself. Give an example of like a clue. I mean, is it, what if they can't figure it out? Is it like simple stuff? Like you're just really trying to get them to move around their city? Um. So it's... It, It ranges. I mean, definitely some puzzles are harder than others. Like I would say for people who like escape rooms appeal to them, it's probably along that line of line of thinking. Um, But there is there are hints and there is a walkthrough. So you'll never be like stuck and not know how to go on. (laughs) Okay. So like, what is like, where do you take them to parks? Like, like, what is like a landmark that you would send them to? Yeah, so in our first game, it takes place in um, this little neighborhood downtown called Neighborhood of the Arts. And so there's a lot of public art there. There's an art museum with like a big sculpture garden. Um, And so we kind of just take them through the city. And so, you know, a puzzle that they might encounter at one of these locations could be something like, um, okay, I, you know, found this clue that's a map. And I'm encouraged to go to a particular location on the map. And once I get to the location, I realize, okay, well, on the screen on my phone, clearly they're looking for some sort of symbols to be entered into this lock to get my next clue. And the only way I'm going to find those symbols are if I actually like look at the buildings around me and see what's in the area. Cool. Um, So 
is your who's your target audience? So initially starting out, we were kind of thinking millennials because of that whole experience economy thing that we talked about. But I also think we're really going to be moving um, as well toward creating some games with puzzles for kids um, so that this can really be something that like families can do with their children. So we should be able to use the same framework and just create kind of easier puzzles where, you know, instead of doing something more complex that might involve a little bit more critical thinking. Maybe it's something as simple as, you know, you're working with shapes, you're working on colors. So something where a parent could just go out and explore with their kid and learn at the same time. How long does a game take? I mean, are they people having to drive and get back in and out of the car? Nope. So it's all walking distance. Um, but I would say about an hour and a half for the full game Um, because throughout you're getting, I mean, I think the first game we have about 14 different puzzles and you're getting, you know, video clips, audio clips all throughout that. So it's kind of, I I always explain it to people as like, do you remember that movie um, National Treasure? with Nicolas Cage and he like, oh, so he, I don't remember what his job was, but I just remember like he was running through his city, like finding clues at all these destinations. That's and so that's cool. kind of what it reminds me of. To go watch it again. I like that. <laughs> I, um, it sounds, I mean, really cool. I love, is anyone else doing this? Is this really novel? I mean, it's really cool. I think it's novel. Um, I mean, there's definitely, there are escape rooms, but the difference there is like, you're, you know, locked in this room in this physical location. And then there's scavenger hunts, but those seem to be a lot more along the lines of, well, I'm going to, um, you know, go to a particular location and then answer a trivia question or, you know, be encouraged to do some silly task like, oh, take a photo making a funny face or something like that. So yeah. it's another cool way to explore, but it's different. So it's going to be hard to scale this thing, right? So we thought about that. <laughs> um, and so actually I, I am very hopeful that it is not going to be too bad. Um, So what we did is, as we built it, we built like a massive library of puzzles and each of those puzzles can be customized. So essentially like to start a new game, I almost look at it as, okay, we have this library of all these different frameworks that we can use. And then it's up to me to just come up with, well, what's the new story and how do I want these puzzles to appear? And so that's to the user. So, that's amazing. This is so, so exciting. I love it. <laughs> you want first, Thank do, you. Can you do San Diego next? I would love to do San Diego. <laughs> Let's do San Diego. Okay. Um, so what's been the hardest part? I mean, time. <laughs> yeah. Time is a big one. Like it's just, you know, I mean, I I have a full-time job and so it's, you know, every night and weekend doing this, but I think it's, just I'm so excited about it that in a lot of ways it also doesn't feel like work like it's just I'm really excited to launch it and bring it to the how community. much do you plan to charge if you don't it's free to download the app and then you're charging per game right yep exactly so um good question um 
our initial kind of thought was that you would probably pay something around like 15 to 20 for a ticket. And then that would cover kind of the game on a phone. And then if you wanted to add additional phones, a few more dollars per phone. So we'll kind of work out the specifics of that as we beta test, just because we'll have to see what the server resources are like. So what's it, uh, did you, I mean, you said your brother's your best friend. Did you know that you'd one day end up working together? I mean, how do you guys fight? Have you always gotten along? Like, <laughs> brother. So, um, no, I mean, we always, when we were younger, I know for sure we had our moments. <laughs> um, but then, I don't know, I guess it was probably like late high school, early college. He's six years younger than I am. And probably right around that time, I don't know, we just, you know, got rid of all that, you know, little kid stuff and hit it off. And it's really been great because we have really different skill sets, but I think we have a very similar approach in terms of like our work ethic and how we think about things. So we both can really tackle different aspects of the business, but it's been really easy to kind of come together and figure out like major decisions for the company, what's the next thing we're going to do. Cool. Um, I noticed you're also targeting kind of corporate events or mm -hmm. so how much of your strategy is toward kind of just the public versus trying to go into a um, specific venue or corporate route? Yeah, so it's definitely, I think, going to be a balancing act. The idea was kind of to launch it first in public, just to sort of do, you know, proof of concept, have people interact with it, get some feedback. But then what we'd really like to do is move into kind of more personalized or customized games. So like I could envision something like a museum, like I would love to create a game where, you know, your family, you go to the museum, you buy this extra add-on, and now all of a sudden you have a whole new way to experience all of their exhibits, you know? Like, I think about it with, um, like, we have a niece and nephew, and we'll take them to, like, the Children's Play Museum around here, and, like, it's super fun, but you do see some of the same stuff each time, and so I kind of think of it as, well, what if this was just like, you know, you buy a ticket and now you have this whole new way to go experience something familiar. Yeah, it's cool. So you um, have been active on LinkedIn doing a lot of writing. How long have you been doing that? Not that long. Uh, so I started writing probably April of this year. Um, and initially it was really just related to the idea that we were launching this business and, you know, wanting to get to know people in the area and share what we were doing. Um, but I also found I just really am loving the process of writing there for itself. When you, so you're launching the app in Rochester for the first game, Are, is your plan to do specific, what's your launch strategy? Yeah, so first game will be Rochester. We're actually working on a second um, kid-friendly game in, the, in a, a different part of Rochester. Um, and then from there, the idea will be to branch out to different cities. So mar your marketing plan, how are you going to let the people of Rochester know about it? Sure. Yeah. So we've been doing um, podcasts. We're doing a lot of promotion through social media. Um, and then ideally what we'll do is once we have these specifics hammered down with the app store, um, we will basically 
start doing a lot of kind of grassroots marketing. So things like, you know, festivals and handing out coupons and promotions. Um, we've been in touch with a couple of moms groups. So looking at maybe some blogs and things like that. Um, and then probably also reaching out to um, like some of the uh, groups that kind of cater to younger people here and maybe giving them some like promotional tickets so they can go try it. That's cool. And how fast do you think you could bring on additional cities? So, I mean, it should be, I think, relatively quickly. I mean, I would say we would probably be able to, once we actually went to the city once and had the layout and, and knew what we wanted in terms of the story, I mean, I would think within a month we should be able to add a city. So you, are you writing the stories? Yep. That's fun. I mean, so you kind of create a character and then mm -hmm. you basically get to use your imagination. That's really cool. So, okay. What are your interpersonal communication tips for business? Ooh. So I guess I will start with the one I always share when I'm teaching is you are not your audience. So I always say that I teach a course in health communication. And I always say that because I think so many of us have a tendency to think, well, people must think just like I think. And okay, I have this problem. This is my number one problem. <laughs> like, number it's not just you. <laughs> um, right. But so like we, I mean, that's our experience. And so we start thinking like other people must think this way too. And that just isn't true. So like what I always tell my students when I'm teaching courses in communication is the more work you can do in advance to learn about your audience and let them tell you who they are, the better situated you'll be to communicate effectively. Um, so really understanding, you know, what motivates them, what interests them, kind of who are you speaking to, and then creating a message that you can deliver in that context. Um, you know, because I could think about something even as simple as like, um, so in the research context, I did a lot of work on organ and tissue donation. And like, if I went to say a conference and was going to talk about that topic, I'm gonna to be using different vocabulary. I'm gonna be talking about different methods. It'll all be kind of scientific and you know, really into the nuances of it. Whereas if I'm telling a friend about what I study, it's gonna to sound totally different even though it's the same topic. So my thought would be always know your audience, start with them. Wow, really, really good. What about your advice to females in business who are just getting started, you know, the 22, 23, 24 year olds out there? Stick it out. <laughs> um, that would be my advice because I think, um, I think that women just sometimes can run into barriers. You know, I mean, I have had if people say things I didn't expect them to say, and that could very easily make you feel like you didn't want to continue or that maybe you didn't fit somehow. And I think that's really unfortunate and really unfair. Um, so my thought would be know yourself first and then go after what you want and surround yourself with good people because there are lots of really good people out there. Yeah, no, I'm glad I was able to connect with you. Um, wait, so do you see yourself 
ever retiring? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> it definitely is not feeling like that's going to be anywhere in the near future. <laughs> do, you, do you like want to retire one day? Do you even do you think it's something that you see yourself just one day not working at all? Um, in theory, yes. Like I would. <laughs> So here's what I would say, like, what I love about it is like, I could totally envision myself like doing a lot of travel. Like, I love the idea of like, you know, just going to explore different places and seeing what they have to offer. But then at the same time, like when I think about not working, there's also a little voice in the back of my head that thinks like, and maybe you'd write a book on those experiences. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. Totally. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, what do you, so what do you like to do when you're not working now? How, I mean, how many hours a week or days a week do you not work or do you work every day? I work every day right now. Um, so, I mean, not a ton of free time at the moment, but I mean, like, good stress relief. I always make time for working out every day. Um, I have a little puppy. She's, you know, the best part of the day like I you know can just relax and play with her and um in terms of other interests like I enjoy reading um I you know my brother and I again with the the best friend thing like one day a week he'll come over for and I'll make dinner and then like we'll just sit and binge watch some ridiculous show and like that's always just my you know silly like wind down forget about everything else time Cool. Well, we're really excited um, to see uh, how NL Quest goes and check it out. I mean, it, it kind of seems like you wouldn't check out the launch unless you were in Manchester, or sorry, Rochester. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So are you guys going to, how are we going to get like uh, exposure to it if we're not in that city? We just have to wait. Yeah, so I mean, we would love to see you at our website. Um, so swing by there, get on our mailing list, um, and then we will definitely keep everybody updated as we um, continue to roll stuff out. Website is, is it? Inaquest.com. Inaquest.com. Okay, cool. Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. For more, please visit www.mumsofmaternity.com.